Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. A buddy messaged me on Twitter saying, why is there an awkward silence between the time I introduce myself and say thanks for listening? So I just made that silence that much more awkward. How about that? Anyhow, I'm going to do some Q&A in just a bit. I want to wish everybody out there happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. This will be the last uh, recording I do until after the New Year. I'll be taping a couple of episodes in the next couple of weeks, but I won't be releasing nothing. I'm going to take a break. Uh, it's been pretty busy in my office. Um, one of my guys, unfortunately, had a health scare. So um, he's kind of out of commission at this point. And uh, we're kind of short-staffed a little bit, but uh, we're getting through it. Um, college basketball has been pretty crazy, real hectic, and... Uh, it's been uh, it's been crazy, you know. A lot of accounts, a lot of different things going on, a lot of stuff to manage. You know, we just hired an administrative assistant, help us out a little bit. Chinese Mike's a little overwhelmed. We just can't handle it all. But it's good to be busy. It's good to be overwhelmed and underwhelmed because if you don't have enough work, then you know you got to try to get more work. So we we find a way to all figure it out together. Anyhow, I want to appreciate, before I start this q and I'm going to go through all these questions on this Twitter thread. I want to thank everybody for all the great comments they made and for all my past guests this season um, so far. My past guests from last year also. I, um, you know, I, uh, I think it was uh, a lot of great guests. I got a lot of great feedback. And... Um, Hope to have even more guests, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of legends, Richard Schutz, Roxy Roxborough, these guys have been in the game for a long time. And, uh, you know, they, they were, I'm fortunate that they gave me the time. I know Roxy doesn't really do too much media. So for him to even, you know, come on the podcast meant a lot to me. And he actually gave me a nice compliment after we taped. He says, you know, I'm used to, being interviewed by people outside of the uh, sports betting landscape, you know, guys just in media, they don't really understand the game. And he goes, I think he said something to the lines of it was refreshing to be interviewed by somebody that knew the business. So I appreciate that, Roxy. Thank you for that compliment. And, um, you know, guys like Ribs, another legend, Dickie Carson, all legends. Um, and then young guys, even Ed at Raz, there's another, you know, he's become legendary, moves the numbers, um, and a really great guy. Um, I, I really, really like him. And Will, who I met earlier this year, you know, is uh, made a name for himself, done really well in the business. Um, and I have nothing but respect for him. Shane Sigsby, who has been banned from everywhere, just trying to grind it out. Him and his staff are some of the most professional and hardworking guys I know. So let's get to this. I really appreciate everybody coming on. And of course, Chris Bruno, I forgot to mention Chris Bruno, who I received the most compliments for. Chris Bruno is a good friend of mine. I've known him for so long. One of the first bookmakers I ever played into. And um, he's he's just, you know, one of the best guys. So solid, you know, just just. I work with him all the time and, you know, he helps do a lot of my props and stuff. And he, he's, he's so sharp. He's one of the best. And, um, he's just a super, super great guy. And he's so honorable, so solid, just a great guy. And last but not least, my first guest of the season, a good friend of mine, Captain Jack, who, um, just as a fountain of information, knows so much about everything. Um, and, uh, he was just great. Tell how his story on how he came up in a business and, uh, how he's making his stand, you know, his footing in the industry, Captain Jack, not too many people know this, but Captain Jack, a lot of the industry people, a lot of big guys in the business, when they have a question, when they have, when they need some advice, 
they call Captain Jack and they ask him, you know, we're talking, you know, big, big names that are not going to be mentioned, but a lot of guys reach out to Captain Jack for his advice because they know he knows his stuff. So I want to thank Captain Jack also. And Captain Jack is such a, you know, I talk to him all the time. He's a good friend of mine. And, um, and that's it really. All right. So let's go to these questions. Um, these are just in the order on the thread. I don't know if these were the order submitted. I'm going to try to bang these out. Okay. LWP at your eat. Do you think coding is a requirement to be able to win in today's landscape? From all your pods, it seems like networking is the most effective way to scale rather than focusing on your own individual models and algorithms. Do you think that'll ever change? In any business, networking is probably the most important thing. You got to know people. That's just the bottom line. You got to know people. And even Roxy said it best when I asked him, what advice can you give to become a better, better? For somebody up and coming into business, he said, you can't do it all yourself. Try to find somebody. So if you can't code, I think you should find the coder. Um, and if you can't do this, you should find somebody. Um, that's the whole thing. This and that. You, you got to have people to help you out. If you don't have people to help you out, you can't do it all. It's impossible. Um, if you want to get to a certain level, if you want to be successful. So I definitely think in order to scale up, which is the hardest thing to do, is to get help. And, um, and, be, and surround yourself with good people. I always like to say that I love to be the stupidest guy in the room. Because if I'm the stupidest guy in the room, I learn from everybody. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, I can't really learn that much. So I always try to surround myself um, with as much as many smart people as possible. Next question, Mr. Transparent at Big Ten Watto. On Captain Jack Thursday event, you talked about middling with one and a half, two points. With Rufus Peabody on your pod, you grilled him about middling and betting other side if you have ample closing line value. If beating Penny closing lines by about 12 cents and on 70% of your bets, do you advise trying to middle or just ride it out? Everything depends on a risk profile. Um, but, you know, it, it all depends. Some people will argue that, you know, uh, you want to beat the closing line. So even, you know, you eliminate your risk by scalping or middling. Um, and if you could, if you could scalp a middle and know a line has reached its peak, that's great because then you'll be able to get positive V on that piece itself. The whole piece would be positive expected value um, if you're able to beat the closing line by both legs of the middle or the scalp. Um, and some people can't stomach the swings. You know, there's so many times which you lay five, game closes eight, dog wins outright. Now what? Um, you got to be able to stomach these swings. If you could stomach it, then go ahead, ride it out. It's, it all depends on on your risk tolerance and what you want to do. Um, you know, it all, everything I think is an individual thing, but, um, you know, if you're doing that, God, that's great. That's a great start. Keep up the good work and grind out that earn. DJS at DJS one, two, three sports. If you had to restart your career where we are now in 2020, only had a 10 dime bankroll and could only bet on exactly two sports, which two would they be? Um, if I had a 10 dime bankroll, I wouldn't get into the business at the, in 2020, in all honesty. Um, if I had to bet on two sports, I would probably attack to build up my bankroll, some type of a proposition market in different sports, maybe college player props, maybe one of these international baseball leagues, all that hunky dory bullshit that you know you don't get big limits on but you try to build up your bankroll. Uh, I don't really, you know, because that's the stuff you're going to get chased, but at least you'll, you'll have a higher uh, return, and then you build, build, build before you get into the real meat and potatoes and bet the big boy sports. Zavi at the Capping Guru, what is or what are some good money management methods, and how do you deal with a series of losses? <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Ah. Uh, I made a podcast called Be Better Losers earlier this year. We had a losing January. It's very hard to handle losses. And that's what separates the pros from the recreational gamblers. To handle losses is everything. That's how you, that, that's how you know you've made it in this business when a loss doesn't affect you. Um, and it's just part of the business. 
It's the hardest thing to handle. It is unlike any other industry. There is no industry where you go to work and you lose money or have a chance of losing money. Only as a pro gambler um, or any entrepreneur for that matter, you know. But as an entrepreneur, when you're working for yourself and you're actually betting money, um, you could lose. So good money management methods is, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but with your head not over it, um, you got to just make sure that the losses don't affect your everyday life. You know, every bet you place, assume you lose every bet. And then try to put yourself into that mindset and say, if I lost every bet today, would I be miserable? That's if the answer is yes, do not bet. Lower your lower your stake. If the answer is not, it's all right, I'll be able to bounce back the next day and be okay, then that's good. You gotta just put yourself in the right mindset. Nick Weinholt at have a punt AU. The name of the podcast is Be Better Betters. What advice would you give in relation to this? All right, so the guys tried to quote my thing, uh, what I do with every other guest. I appreciate that, Nick. I know what the name of the podcast is. What advice would I give? My advice to become a better, better, I think the number one thing is have as many outs as possible. And as I said earlier, be how to be a better loser. Um, but shopping, you got to be able to shop for the best price. If you shop for the best price, you essentially eliminate the bookmaker's vig. Because if you have enough outs to shop around, you'll be able to probably find as close to a no vig market as possible. And then it becomes a coin flip. A coin flip. Instead of beating that 52.38%, you'll be closer to 50%. And that's the, that's the way to do it. I think that's the best thing to do. That's the advantage you have. You can choose to take a pass. Okay, the bookmaker, you, you, you don't have to play with strictly one bookmaker. Play with five, 10, 20, as many as you can to get a different line set and shop for the best number. And I think that's the way to become a better, better. Casey at Casey bets. For someone recently starting up their own operation, can you give any words of wisdom and any tips? Well, Casey, if you're starting up your operation, congratulations. It's a beautiful industry. Unfortunately, it's gone downhill the last several years, but I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. I think if you could do well in this business, you could probably do a lot better in other businesses and make a lot more money. Um, so I don't know if this is the right industry to be in, but if this is what you love and this is what you want to do to become successful, all the power to you, welcome. I think that um, the best thing to do is, like I said earlier, surround yourself with good people. Make sure you have a program on a staff um, or get somebody that understands Make sure you spend time um, knowing what method you're going to take. Are you going to take a bottom-up approach or are you going to do a top-down approach? Bottom-up is where you handicap the games. Try to come up with a number. Compare that number to the bookmaker's number. There's enough of a discrepancy. You place a bet. Top-down approach is just looking at lines and how they move and try to beat the closing line value. That's what I do. Those are the ways. You either go top down or bottom up. Figure out what you want to do and uh, and then execute. All right. Tanner at Tanner Fez. When analyzing closing line value, are you using one particular book, certain books for certain markets, or a consensus line? Right way to do it probably is a consensus line. Um, a lot of people look at a Chris or Pinnacle closing line and say that's the closing line. But, you know, it all depends on how much they take on a bet. Um, so usually a consensus is the way to go if I, just to be safe. Because, again, Chris and Pinnacle, they're, they're moving on action. They're charting their, their action. So somebody might have came in with a big bet, caused them to move. That might not be reflective of what the market is really because, you know, you got to look. I, I would look geared towards more of a consensus, although most people would just copy that line anyway. So the consensus usually is the Chris or Pinnacle line. But if, if it wasn't that way, like if this was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I'd always use a consensus line. So I think you should stick to that. Luke Banks at Likas Banks. 
Can one make a solid earn solely by being a master of the Don Best screen and more often than not getting the best of it? Absolutely, you can. That's a top-down approach. I don't know if you can just blindly follow a Don Best screen. Um, Don Best, if anybody that doesn't know, is an odd screen that displays odds of all sports books and, and the current odds. Um, you know, you got to know how to read a screen correctly. It takes, I think, years of practice. And you have to understand that it's different on every sport. Plus, the Don Beskin doesn't have every market up there. So, you know, I think you want to be able to find yourself a way to analyze different prices. And yes, if you get the best of it by getting the best of the number and beating a closing line, you could definitely make a solid earn, Luke. Zachary Lucas, which regulated New Jersey books do you still use and why do you think they continue the relationship with you? while other books limit you. Only two shops I bet into now are Bet America and FanDuel. Reason why I think I'm still alive is because I kind of met the main guys and I think they like me, in all honesty. Um, I also help them out if they need a peep, if they need a pop on something. Um, if I see a number, if, if they have a bad line, I inform them about it. I'm just a gentleman. I try to be a gentleman. And... Uh, and I think they appreciate that. Um, and I, th you know, and I know, at FanDuel, I know people are, are banned. A lot of them are banned there, but I give them NFL work. I try to do everything I can. I try to last as long as possible, and I try to be fair. You know, that's a thing. I know I, and I even told the guy at FanDuel, John Sharon, when I first met him, I told him, I know, I know, I need you more than you need me. And he told me later on, because I appreciate you coming at me honest like that. And that, you know, you were straight up with me. And I think he appreciated that. I'm not going to bullshit the guy. I, I know I need him. And he don't need me for shit. I do nothing for his business. But if I help here or help there, um, you know, they'll keep me hanging around. Don't get me wrong. I'm limited at both places. But the limits are still adequate enough to be able to keep it around. All right. George at George PF 84 Any memorable bets that stick out for whatever reason? Honestly, George, it's all a blur. Um, I remember one time I was betting at Mansion back in 05 when they first started. And I remember this was 05. I was building my bankroll, and I remember I was betting something. I forgot what it was. It was some NFL game on NFL Sunday. They were taking 90 dimes. And I remember, I'll never forget it. I'm betting, I'm betting. that I checked the figures the next day. And it was a winning bet, and I put it in for nine dimes instead of 90 dimes. That's an 81-dime swing. And back in 05, you know, that you know, wasn't wasn't the easiest pill to swallow. Um, but shook it off and bounced back. So that was a big mistake. I'll never forget it. It goes in my mind all the time. But I don't even know what the team was. That's how crazy it was, so... Louis Spamoni, a window shop at 70. When using a bot to get down as much as possible in seconds, are the accounts you plan to be able to recognize you are using technology to bet there? If so, can it be disguised? We try our best to. You know, anybody that complains about a bot, oh, you're using a bot, you're cheating. That's a bunch of bullshit. Nobody's cheating. We're using a bot so that we can get down as many places as fast as possible. I have thousands of accounts. I'm not going to hire thousands of employees. And I, when I, I, and I tell everybody, when I say go, everybody hit enter. No, it doesn't work that way. So a bot just helps us get down. We're not past posting. We're not, we're not, you know, we don't know the result of the game beforehand. It's just to be able to get down as fast as possible. That's it. Um, and, uh, and I've had this for so long. Do I, I try to, you know, I don't, I don't abuse my bots. There's some bots that'll, you know, refresh a thousand times a minute. You know, ours don't do that. You know, we try to be respective of the bookmaker server. We're going to be refreshing probably maybe seven, seven times, eight times an hour. Nothing crazy, just like a regular guy would do. Um, and also, you know, we make it so that we don't get logged out because a lot of these places you get logged out if you stay idle. So just we, we refresh the page so we don't get logged out. This way, when we're ready to bet, we just go right to the line. Whereas, you know, if you don't refresh every so often, you'll get logged out, and that extra two, three seconds process of logging in could be the difference between you catching the bet and missing it. So we try to do our best. And, you know, I'm pretty friendly with most of the guys 
that are that are running the joints, and they know I'm not abusive, unlike some other guys out there that have bots that I've heard horror stories. Okay. George, PF84, are all your bets value bets, or do you mix in the occasional originator or tipped? What's the ratio? I don't know what that means, originator or tipped, but I have zero opinion on anything I do here, George. I don't even know the players on the team. I know nothing. Everything I do is a value bet. Every time I place a bet, unless it's for to try to last or to give the bookmaker a consolation here and there, I'm, I'm trying to beat the closing line. That's it. Every bet I place, that's what I'm trying to do. Or I feel as if the number's off and it's going to move in my favor. So there's, no, there's nothing else, um, nothing else my betting entails. My buddy Dinky, I can't believe Dinky asks me questions. Dinky has my phone number. He can ask me any question he wants. Um, and we talk and I ask him several questions. We go back and forth. But it's great that he even could ask me a question on this platform because I'm the one, you know, he's the guy that should be doing something like this. He knows a lot of the answers. Dinky, how do you decide how much a backup player is worth when you get your supersonic injury information? Well, that's a great question. I, uh, I have a guy, my guy Luke kind of knows a little bit what each player and he kind of charts it and we kind of have a level one through five system so that if if Luke isn't there, he kind of created these levels, um, you know, and, and let's just say Chinese Mike and me are betting or whatever, we'll know if somebody's out, we'll just see what level he's at, five being the highest, one being he's pretty meaningless. Um, so Luke sets up that chart for us. How he does it, I have no idea, you know. Luke, Luke is, let me, let me just take a second here to just tell you, you know, I've, I brought Luke into this business 2013. I hired him as a young gun. And now Luke has become so good that he teaches me shit. So he's taking things to another level. And that's what you want. You want to be able to hire somebody, teach him your ways. He'll adapt some of your ways and then he'll make some of the, some of his own things. And he's taking our injury, our injury uh, information or injury betting to a different level. So Anybody out there that knows Luke personally or virtually or whatever, he's he's one of the best in the business. But that's how I do it, think. I just follow my guy. Bill at Mr. Second Night. What category should one consider when starting a basic set of power rankings from scratch? Perhaps more importantly, which metric should be avoided? Thanks, Spank. Love the podcast, brother. Be good. This is in specifically in regards to NFL and college football, he says. Oh, man, Bill, power ranking is not my thing. I don't do that. So I wish I could answer you. I'm not going to bullshit you, both smoke up your ass, pretend like I know what I'm talking about. I'm a top-down guy, not a bottom-up guy. Guys that make power rankings, um, there's a lot of them. Ed Fang, the power rank, he makes some great power rankings. There's other guys that do it, too. You got to just look around. But that ain't me, brother. I just bet line moves and uh, make sure that I beat the closing line. Peter Watry, thank you for all your great content, Spank. Question, you often tell us we can join you and Chinese Mike by sharing our accounts. Do we need to be huge betters or have many accounts? Details, thank you. Yeah, you know, you don't have to be huge betters. We like a lot of accounts. Um, the way it works is you give us accounts. We'll, um, and then we'll start betting. We'll have a partnership agreement, whatever whatever it is. And then we split the profits, depending on what agreement we make, 50-50, 60-40, whatever it is. And um, you collect the money, and that's it. We split the earn. You, you, don't, you no longer bet. We're the ones who are betting. So you let, like, just like if you hired a chef to cook a nice dinner for you and your wife or your girlfriend, the chef is in the kitchen. Let him do his thing. You know, I have a lot, I have some guys that say, hey, can I place, they give us accounts, they try to place bets in the accounts. I'm like, what are you doing? Go get your own account. An account that you give me, I'm the only one that can bet in these accounts because it becomes a figure nightmare. Whose bets are whose on Monday? We don't need that shit. I have thousands of accounts. I can't know, oh yeah, I, I just, I couldn't help myself. I got the shakes. I had to bet the Giants on Sunday. You know, come on, relax. Take a chill pill, sit back, let the masters do their work. Just like if you have a chef in the kitchen, you know, you're going to go over there and say, oh, man, why are you using lemon? Let me use lime instead. Or, you know, come on. The chef's going to look at you like, you know, you hired me. You want me to do this for you. Let me do it. So if you give us accounts, please, we don't want people betting in our accounts. None of that shit. Let us do the betting. You collect the money and we make a profit. 
if you want to go bet your own, just keep an account for yourself and go knock yourself out if you need to scratch that itch. All right. JMC at JMC underscore PGH. Big fan of the podcast. I live in a state that is about to legalize sports betting. Are there any unique opportunities to keep an eye out for during the first few weeks, months after it goes legal? Yeah, there's different promotions. Right now, it's still, you know, Captain Jack, I think, brought this up in one of his videos. It's a great time to be like a young up-and-coming sports better when it comes to regulated sports books domestically here in the United States. The customer acquisition is probably a nickel a customer. They'll do whatever it takes to try to get your business. And they don't realize you could just open up, you know, an account with 15 different guys. And you want the sports book. They they think they're going to, you know, exclusive. Guys that bet with one exclusive sports book, you're not going to win long-term doing that. You want to be able to have different outs, like I said before. But this is a great time to look for the promotions, look for guys that, you know, want to give as much as possible. And that's it. If they're going to give, there's no problem taking. So I would definitely keep an eye out on that. Ilya at one, pun intended. Okay, it's about 75 questions, Ilya. Here we go. Let's answer them one at a time. Tips on opening offshore accounts with a bearded friend. Opening offshore accounts, Ilya, with post up, I no longer do. Um, that, that those days are gone. When Net Teller died for us, you know, back in 07, so we don't really do that. Um, if it's with a bearded friend, you know. Eh. I don't know. We usually just use credit offshore accounts, so I can't really advise on post-up accounts. Next, how to handle deposit withdrawals and work with a partner if Bitcoin isn't an option? Uh, not really sure. You know, that all depends on what region you are of the country and what other methods you could think of. How to extend the length of time before getting limited? I would think that you don't go for the jugular. I always try to place NFL bets, place regular stuff if you're only betting props and all this other, you know, low-hanging fruit, then uh, you're going to get banned, and you're going to get banned fast. It's a two-way street. you got to help the bookmaker out. Make him want to keep you as long as possible. VPN servers, yep. You need those. Definitely need those proxy servers and all that stuff to be able to make it look like you're coming from a different region of the country. Um, And there's so many services out there that offer that to be able to utilize and um you know if a guy gets me an account from georgia i'm making myself look like i'm i'm betting from atlanta so so you know so to speak so this way you know again it's a cat and mouse game between the player and a bookmaker but that's definitely an important part and last but not least he asked would love if you could talk at length about this oh that's not even a question so i did talk as much as i can Ilya. you know i got a, a lot of questions to get to but i hope i helped you a little bit um, with that, it's hard. You know what I mean? Everybody's different. All right. Jim Darden. Spanky. I like to bet situations. So if my situation hits at 53 plus percent, is getting down a minus 110 closing line value rather than staring at a computer screen all day. I don't understand what that meant. The, the grammar was off. Um, Spanky, I like to bet situations. So if my situation hits at 53%, is getting down, oh, that's the question, is getting down a minus 110 rather than stereo computer? Yeah, if you could hit 53%, you're going to be a slightly a winning player. Go ahead. You don't have to stare at a computer screen all day. The question is, is can you maintain that hit percentage? Um, and to know that, you got to look at thousands of bets, not 10 bets, not 100 bets, not hundreds of bets should be thousands of bets, okay? And it's a hard, it's easier said than done, my friend. BK at easy underscore win one. I compare lines amongst four books. When lines are off, how can I know which side to bet? For example, halftime of game, two books have my team minus six and a half, and the others have minus seven and a half. Well, that sounds like a middle to me, but if there's two and two, you know, you, you look for the lone gun, um, you look for, for, for the outlier. Two and two is hard. If you look at 20 outs, and if there's one rogue guy, usually the rogue guy is the guy to hit. And all, tw- all the other 19 are, are in line. Now, if that rogue guy is a market leader, that's a different story. But keep in mind, everything usually comes back, you know, 
right to every, every, all these numbers go towards each other. So that line minus six and a half, minus seven and a half, most likely if you have two and two, it's going to probably close seven. Um, so you want to be able to get those outliers fast. And even if it's like something like a pinnacle or a Chris that has that rogue number, don't just automatically think that everybody's going to go towards that number because somebody's going to pop them if they're off. They want that pop and they're going to move again right towards where the number, uh, where the other numbers are. They're probably not going to get to the other numbers. So you want to be able to, it's a timing thing um, to be able to know um, which side to bet. If you're middling, which side to bet first. And if you're just trying to get a value, um, you know, you want to know who the market leader is and that's just charting games and seeing, you know, uh, which which bookmaker is best at which sport. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff involved. Um, and that's a tough question to ask. You, you know, it's a feel thing. You got to be at that situation at that time. So good question, BK. Damien Del Russo at D Del Russo. All right. If I have a profitable 55 to 60% system originating NFL sides, well, then you should own an island. NBA totals and CBB sides and bet them without chasing closing line value or steam or middling. Will offshore books limit me? Can you get limited for winning straight against NFL, NBA, CB? Talking nickels, maybe dimes. Damien Del Russo, if you could beat NFL sides 55 to 60% and you have thousands of plays, um, you're worth a lot of money to anybody out there. The problem with NFL sides is a lot of people have one winning NFL season. They think they're the greatest, maybe two. You know, it's hard to maintain because there's not enough data. There's not enough games in the NFL to see if that edge is going to be profitable long-term. Okay? College basketball, you'll have one or two weeks of college basketball. That's the entire season of the NFL when it comes to number of games. So the NFL, it's just hard to be able to know if you have enough of an edge. Um, and usually by the time when you could think that you had that edge, it gets zipped up and that edge is realized and, and by some other place and the market realizes it and then boom, it's back to square one. So it's tough. Um, 55 to 60% NFL sides, Damien, is a monster. Monster. Um, you know, if you have that, then, uh, you, you know, I wouldn't be thinking about nickels and dimes because you could bet hundreds of dimes and not get kicked out. All right. Al at Allen, bro. Value of points, half points on middles in NFL and college basketball. Oh, Alejandro, Alejandro. Value of points, half points in middles. You know, NFL, we can't go over that because every number is different. Um... Minus two and a half plus three and a half on an NFL side is very different than minus eight and a half plus nine and a half. One's a monster earn, one's a monster loss. Uh, it's pretty obvious which is which. So that's going to be hard. You got to just know what each half point is worth. College basketball, for the most part on sides, um, you know, one and a half point middle on sides is good for college basketball. Two point middle on totals is good. You, know, you try to get more, but that's usually the basis. That's historically what you pretty much need. That's at minus 110. Tom at Cavatom. What bookmaker's line moves the spank you pay attention to most? What are some stats to use in modeling that may not be widely known? Okay, let me answer the first question. What bookmaker's line moves the spank you pay attention to the most? Well, that's a question, unfortunately, I can't answer. So if I answer that question, and everybody else that's listening could pay attention to that out, and I'm going to lose my, uh, my edge. That being said, the places I pay attention to historically have always not been on a Dom Best screen or on a public odd screen. These places are hard to be able to see their lines. Why are those places, why are those the places I look at the most? is because nobody sees it when they move except me because I have uh, programs that are analyzing these lines and I'm notified whenever those lines move. So, um, you know, 
places probably never even heard of. What are some stats used in modeling? They may not be widely known. I'm not really a modeler. Um, I can't, I don't model sports and I'm also not a model as a good looking guy either. So I can't even help out on that. How does Spanky balance the demands of having kids in a family with needing to be working on bets, particularly around the holidays? But I have a team and my team helps a lot. But, you know, I've taken a step back from the day-to-days, Tom. And um, I got a team that runs it. Although now I'm, you know, working pretty as, as harder than I, I've ever worked, to be honest, because we're down a guy. Um, but um, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's a tough balancing act. And, um, you know, you got to just do your best. And the holidays is usually the busiest time. You know, Thanksgiving, Christmas is when the most sports are being played and the most money to be made for us. But, you know, if I'm not around as much during those times, during the summer when it's light, I make sure I spend a lot of quality family time together. All right, the Godfather. Have you gone international? If not, why not? Seems like if you don't need to know the players' names or have any native knowledge of a sport and look only at market moves and numbers, then there ought to be nothing preventing you from betting any sport anywhere in the world. Great question, Godfather. You're 100% right. Have I gone international? No. Reason being is because different sports internationally move at different times of the day. I do have automatic processes that are able to bet based on line movements, so I have created some AI, artificial intelligence, that is able to execute trades in some of these international markets. However, I can't physically have a guy there you know, at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning when the English Premier League starts to move like crazy. Um, we just don't have the staff at this point, and my plate is so full as it is to be able to um, to attack all the markets worldwide. I want to, believe me. I've always wanted to. I've always had that in the back of my mind. I just never got around to it, and um, it's hard enough as is managing the major U.S. markets, but it's a great question, and hopefully one day that'll change, but you know what? Probably not. UIL Tennis. How can someone start betting on credit? That would be very helpful. You know, go to a bar, find a local bookmaker. Usually it's a bartender. Ask him, hey, you know anywhere I can get down? And then he'll probably get you a guy. And that's how it works. Um, I was a post-up guy for years. Until Lenny Cascade was the first guy to ever give me credit didn't want to pay the net teller fees anymore and trusted me after I met him several times in Costa Rica and said, let's just settle up on Mondays. He gave me credit. I paid him on time every time. And uh, then I went to another guy, Fat Rick at Better All World. And I said, hey, Rick, can I get some credit? Lenny gives me credit. He goes, really? Calls up Lenny. You give Spanky credit? Yep. All right, I'll give you some credit. And then it goes on and on and on. And then I would just say, hey, you know, Chester, this guy gives me credit. Why can't you give me credit? Hey, Billy Scott, why can't you give me credit? Hey, you know, Rio Rod, can I get some credit? All these guys, whoever I would talk to, I would just mention the guy that gave me credit before, and I'd always do the right thing, always pay everybody on time, develop the biz, develop uh, the relationship, and um, do always do the right thing, and that's how you build your reputation. It's a reputation business. If you just always, you know, there's not one person in the world that I owe money to. Um, not one person that could say I stiffed them. It just doesn't happen. I pay every single person I owe. Um, and if you do that, your name will get built, but it can't happen overnight. Nick Weinholt, that have a punt there, you. I always like to start with what was life growing up. I love it. Uh, life growing up, it was good. Had a good childhood. I um, I was always into gambling. You know, I learned math through playing cards. I played poker with my family on Christmas and New Year's or any other holiday. I was playing poker at four or five years old. Um, backgammon, chess, just always playing games. And uh, I just was always a gamer, and that's how I kind of got into this. You know, and anything, beating sports betting, Beating anything, any casino game, anything, is just like solving a puzzle. It's like playing a game. 
you just know the factors, you just know exactly what the rules are, and then you could see if you could exploit those rules and find a way to balance things in your favor. Um, and that's it. It's just a game that you just, it's a puzzle that you try to solve. But I appreciate the question. One day I'll write a book if I have time, and I'll talk about a little bit more in detail. But uh, thanks, Nick. All right. TT at Y grade 35. Would you do it all again? Oh, absolutely I would. I got no regrets. If I could get to this stage, um, no regrets whatsoever. I'll take it all. The laydowns, the pinches, the betrayals, everything that's happened to me, I take it all because I'm here today. I'm surrounded by I got a great family, great staff, great friends, great betting partners, great office. So, yes, I'd do it all again. Thank you for that. Coach Scotty D. Who are the top cappers in each major sport? Top meaning you respect enough to work with or follow that, please. The top cappers in each major sport, honestly, coach, are people that don't want to be mentioned. And that's just the truth. So I appreciate the question. Um, but those, are, those guys don't want their names out there. The head banana at Woodlands 11-12. All right. This looks like it's a math-intensive question. Let me see. Two hours before the game, you see 2% value on minus 5.5. Team A, college basketball. So you bet $100. Then 30 minutes before the game, the line moves, and you now see 2% value on plus 5 on Team B. How do you bet that, assuming there were no significant injuries? Well, that question kind of contradicts itself. If you see 2% value on minus 5.5 Team A, that means Team B plus 5 has to be negative value. Um, so I don't know what that means, head banana. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. It's too hard. Better partners, can you talk about Spanky Chinese process for vetting potential betting partners? Do they have to interview, provide references, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. Chinese Mike handles all that. When we look at betting partners, number one, if you have a reference, that's the biggest thing. Most people don't have references. But if you know somebody in the business, or if you, you know, there's guys that say, I know this guy down in Costa Rica, no problem. It's a quick phone call. Usually I know the person. They say he's good, done. Let's do business. Most people don't. So if people don't have, you know, and they're trying to give me accounts, how do I know that you're not going to run away with the money when I win? So we make people post up with us. Um, now people say, oh, no, nah, you're making me post up. Listen, if you don't want to post up, it's fine. Go find somebody else. There's a lot of other betting partners out there that will happily take your accounts. Um, I've even heard that there's some guys out there that will actually post up with, the, with you to get their accounts. That's how desperate people are. We don't need the accounts, um, in all honesty. So, um, you know, if, you, if, if you're an unknown in this business, you got to post up. Now, people would say, but Spanky, how do I know you're not going to take my money if you lose? If you think that I'm in this business, that if you post up with me and there is any chance that I'm going to run away with your money, then you shouldn't even be reaching out to me. Um, and if you think that I've built my reputation on running away with somebody's money, then you got a wrong read. Next, UFC underscore lock. Do you use Pinnacle Sportsbook or is it too difficult to win there? Pinnacle Sportsbook stopped taking U.S. customers January 11th, 2007. Um, and it's, uh, so I can't use Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'm in the U.S. George Kolev at Georgie K. Which bookie is more influential about U.S. sports, Chris or Pinnacle? Does Pinnacle follow the lines of Chris, or is it the other way around? U.S. sports, Chris is the number one. International sports like soccer, Pinnacle is number one, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. WB Analytics, do you bet European soccer? No, I mentioned that earlier. Unfortunately, I don't. Frankie Ayala, tips on bankroll management, building a bankroll. Like I said, go after the small markets. 
smaller stuff first, build that bankroll, stuff that's easily exploitable. Remember, bookmakers looking at USC, UCLA, at the Giants against the Eagles, they're looking at these lines. These lines, there's eyes on them all the time. Are there eyes on total passing yards by Tom Brady? Probably not as many eyes. So I would I would look at the smallest stuff. Try to beat that. Billy Walters is numero uno. He sure is. At Gabrielle So 19. Spanky, what positions do you have on your betting syndicate aside the usual ones? Trader slash accountant. Not sure you can answer this on your podcast. I understand. Thank you. I can answer it. So we have guys that send us a set of sets of numbers to be able to work off of. Several guys. We have traders. My main trader is Luke. We have the accountant who handles all the figures and everything. That's Chinese Mike, who runs the office. Um, we also have tech, which is myself and my buddy Manny. And, you know, we're hiring other guys all the time. Um, we have an administrative assistant um, that also helps us, Dana. Um, she helps with the figures and, and, you know, general office stuff. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, and then we have guys, I, I have a big network of information guys. So everybody in Costa Rica, that's a who's who um, that knows what's going on. We feed off each other. We, we, we help each other share information. So I have a vast network of information. And that just goes in hand in hand with the trading team. Thanks for the question, Gabe. Bill Zink, how do you guys do the bookkeeping to manage so many accounts? That alone could be a full-time job. Everything's automated. Everything's automated. Every figure, every bet, everything's just automated. Every, all the charts are automated. Um, you're right. It gets impossible to do it without automation. So everything's always, you know, the technology we have is pretty solid when it comes to that, Bill. Scar22, does the NFL script games? Asking for a friend. <laughs> No, I don't think the NFL scripts games. However, I know in Tim Donahue's book, that's the NBA ref. Um, I wouldn't doubt that the NBA tries to stretch things, you know, stretch series to seven games by saying, hey, call a foul on this guy a little bit more, let this guy go or whatever, blah, 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 for money purposes. Again, I'm not trying to accuse the NBA or anything like that, anybody listening, but do I have my doubts? Absolutely, I got my doubts. You know, a four-game series versus a seven-game series, um, a four-game, a series, a seven-game series ending in four games versus seven games is a huge chunk of money down the drain. So, hey, just saying. I don't know, though. Tennessee Multisanti at Pine Barren Sport. Best resources to learn how to code and automate processes. Listen, I went to college for it. I learned Pascal, C, C++, Java, and Perl. Those are the languages I know. A lot of them are not really used by many these days, but those are the ones I know. There's so many YouTube videos, so many ways, so many online classes. There's just so much. You know, Java, I, I, used to, I bought a book, Teach Yourself Java in 21 Days by Sam's Publishing. They have great books, the 21 Days series. So I recommend those. That's what I, how I learned a lot of the stuff but there's great books out there. There's just a plethora of resources. I'm a physical book guy. I don't like to learn on a computer. I like to learn by reading a book. And a lot of these uh, books that give you software, like the teachers that want to teach yourself Java, they give you a way to download the source code so that you don't have to type it out again and, and then you can run it and see how things run. But that's my favorite method. FK at burner one, two, three, four. How many cents is each whole point worth on college basketball totals? I'm going to tell you half a point. Um, half a point's worth about five cents. What percentage is a whole point worth on college basketball totals? Wait a minute. How many cents is each whole point worth on college basketball totals? What percentage is a whole point? Well, percentage now. Okay. Um, okay, so... We, you know, and this is quick and dirty. This is not accurate. 
but the way usually when you when you back out a percentage um you usually to know the number of pennies or another percentage it's usually the pennies is usually worth the number the double the percentage it's not exact but this is a quick and dirty so if a college basketball total is worth five cents it's probably worth two and a half percentage points again it's not exact but this is a quick and dirty method to do in your head and sometimes we i i use all these quick and dirty methods if i'm when i'm betting to be able to analyze things and to be able to know what's what but uh that's just a you know just a quick and dirty winston at wins 0904 would you ever team up with a sports book to pit against sharps like yourself akin to cybersecurity professionals versus hackers if not do you think that explains why bookmakers don't welcome winners since there aren't professionals willing to take on the challenge so there's a famous Vietnamese bookmaker. I'm not going to name him, but he told me once I started beating him, he became my betting partner and he goes, perfect. You're going to take out all my competitors. So he would get accounts with all his competitors. He'd give me accounts and I'd beat them bah, 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 one by one. And I would just keep beating them, beating them, beating them. And so that always happens. Yes. Sports books eventually become my betting partner because they want me to beat other sports books, whether it's their competitors or whether they just want to make extra money. That always happens. Um, so, um, yes, we always, we uh, you know, I have several sports books that are my betting partners. Now, it's very important. I'm not part of their illegal sports booking business. They're part of my legal betting business. They got that confused in my Queens case. But anyway, Sonny at Sonny 6231572 Hello, Spanky. How many points is your criteria in betting medals? Thank you, H. All right. Depends on the sport. Depends on, you know, like I said, college basketball, one and a half points, sides, two-point totals, pretty much same for NBA. Some numbers are worth a little bit more than others, um, but NFL is just a completely different thing because every number has its own value because obviously those scores come in threes and sevens. So um, you just got to figure out the math. It's, it's, it's a long, long question to answer, unfortunately, Sonny. But I'm sure you could find resources on the web. Scotty J509, what was your childhood like? I already answered that, but thanks for the question. I appreciate it. NSP at underscore ASP3X. Do you think there are any advantages slash disadvantages to being a woman in the sports betting world? Wow. That's a great question. I think it's an advantage. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think there's an advantage. There's advantages and disadvantages. Um, some of the sharpest bookmakers I've known or I've heard about that I've been into or that I've heard about are women believe it or not. Star is a legendary bookmaker. Lori, who used to work at Rio, she was unbelievable. One of the best. There's a few of them out there. Um, now, women pro betters, I'm trying to think, you know, I'm not sure. I, I, unfortunately, I think there's a, I think it's bookmakers, if they see a woman pro, a woman pro I don't know. They're going to probably think there's a guy behind it, just to be honest with you. Um, so I, I don't know if there's an advantage or disadvantage. It sucks. You know, I, it would be great. I'd love to hear an all-woman betting team. Um, that would be solid. I, I'd love to hear. That's a unique story. They're just women in betting, sports, um, you know, professionally. It just doesn't go hand-in-hand, hand, unfortunately. I wish it did. What I do know is instead of being a man and woman, I do know um, in the gambling world, not just sports betting, but in the gambling world, I think being Asian is a huge advantage. Huge. Um, Asians have this stereotype of being degenerate gamblers, of being just, just, they love gambling. So I think that Asians, and we have a lot of Asian betting partners, Chinese Mike deals with most of them, but you know, we get a lot of, we get a longer leash with those accounts. You know, the Asian betting market is very different. They give you minus 105 standard. You know, if you're a true, in a true Asian bookmaker gives you minus 05. One time, I'll never forget it. We got an account where both sides were even money. 
And then I'm, and then Mike showed me the account. He goes, look, this is even money both sides. I'm like, whoa, 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 don't bet on that. Let's call up the guy and find out. And our, our betting partner's name was Ming, who's, you know, has passed away since, but he was a great guy. And, um, and I told Ming, I'm like, Ming, this account you gave me is even money both sides. Um, something's wrong, man. He goes, no, nothing's wrong. Tape just wants to gamble. And I'm like, what do you mean they want to gamble? He goes, it's okay. Go, you can bet. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, they want to gamble. So, um, so we were able to bet even money. Of course, it didn't last long, but still, it just, uh, you know, so when it comes to being Asian, I think that's a huge plus, huge, in, in this, and not just sports betting, but in everything. Um, a lot of advantage players will agree. And being a white male is a disadvantage. That's just part of it. And uh, that's just how it is because they run the stereotype. There's a stereotype of, oh, he's trying to get us somehow. So I don't know. That, that's just how it is. Um, maybe one day that'll change, but I, I don't think so. Okay, MDC Marty. On a college Saturday, what is your schedule like? When do you wake up, etc.? And more importantly, what do you guys eat all day? I'm guessing you don't leave the office except to take a leak. Well, there was a time morning where I didn't even leave the office to take a leak. How about that? But um, I don't have a piss jaw. But those days are long gone. Uh, schedule like in the office on a college Saturday. When I was trading, I'm not doing active trading anymore. But we'd be in, we'd look at numbers 8 o'clock in the morning Eastern, and we'd go right to 10, 10, 30 p.m. Eastern all day. Saturday was pizza day because it's fast. You could eat it at your, you know, we always eat at our desk. Nobody goes out. In this business, everything's at your desk. But we do pizza. You know, you're not going to order something that you need. You know, you're, you know, just quick. Boom, you take a bite, and it's just fast. Um, you don't need utensils. Because um, there's just so many bet, so much betting going on. So Saturday would always be pizza day, um, and it's just constantly betting, constantly betting. Twelve o'clock games, one o'clock games, two o'clock games. Boom, the list goes on and on, up until you know. And then, and then it's it's just it's a, it's a tough day. It's it's a grueling schedule, and um, you know we'll have a game on TV just to make sure that we're able to get our bets in before the kickoff, and that's it. Once the game kicks off, we don't watch games. That's a waste of time. Um, we go to the next kickoff and we start betting, um, and that's it. Um, everything is just betting, betting, betting. Watching games, people think, oh, a pro sports betting office, all you guys do is drink beer, eat pizza, and watch games all day. It's far from the truth. We don't watch any games. Because um, if I'm watching games, or if my guy's watching games, that means we're not watching lines. If we're not watching lines, move, we're not making money. So, watching games is a big waste of time. Unless we're betting live, which we do a little bit, but for the most part, that's not our thing. Norm's Gambling Club at Norm Gambles. First time, long time. What's your favorite type of vessel to urinate into? Thanks, I'll hang myself and not listen. All right. I don't know what that meant, but uh, my favorite type of vessel to urinate, I like to, I like to piss in the... Uh, into a urinal that has an automatic flusher. I still can't believe that urinals till this day have, you know, you go to a stadium or any of these places or any restaurant, you know, how do you not have an automatic flusher? There's people that actually use their hands to flush that. I'll never do that. Um, I'm not even that big of a germaphobe, but like I'll never, any public restroom, I will never use my hand to touch that, to touch that, you know, the flusher on a toilet seat or to touch the, the flusher on a urinal ever. I'll always either use my foot or I'll just bounce um, because I don't know why people do that. Of course, you wash your hands afterwards, but still, you know what I'm saying? You just know that that ain't kosher. So uh, I like the, I like a urinal that has an automatic flusher norm. And don't hang yourself, buddy. Suicide's never the answer. All right. Passwin666 at Reveal at and all these numbers. What sincere and smart advice would you give to a new unknown comer in both online gambling and brick and mortar as to be able to cash in small and large winning bets the longest possible run without being subject to future restrictions from sportsbooks? 
registering where way of bet managing. Um, a long question. What's sincere and smart advice? You know, what do you think? I'm going to give you stupid advice that's fake. I'm going to try to give you everything I can. It's real. Uh, pass win. Um, but uh, to be able to cash in without being subject to future restrictions. So essentially, how do you get down and keep winning without getting kicked out? You know, that's, that's the holy grail. I wish I could answer that. Tell me the answer. This way I'll know it because I don't know, buddy. You know, winning and getting kicked out are unfortunately negatively correlated or positively correlated, I should say. Sorry. You know, they're inevitable. One goes hand in hand. If you win, you're going to get kicked out. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how, how to do one without the other. Again, like I said, I like to have relationships with sports books. I like to bet the NFL. I like to have a give and take relationship with the sports book. You know, it's hard. I think at times it just comes down to just, you know, trying to last as long as possible. I think it's inevitable. I think if you're winning long term, you will ultimately get kicked out. The question is, how far can you last? How long can you last? And that in lies the art of sports betting. All right, we're almost done here. Got a couple of more. Bandy Wales, 420. Do you play Wong Teasers blind? i.e. no opinion on the side. I have no opinions on anything. There's no opinions on anything I do. Everything is a number. So if a long teaser, meaning you pass with three and seven, if I can lay even money, which is hard to do these days, lay 110, yeah, you could earn. So I, there's no, you know, if I have to choose certain teams, you choose the ones with the lowest total because those are the ones where the, where the side, the half a point on the side is worth more. But everything is done blind. Six point minus one ten. Gotcha. All right, the kid at NJ Electronics. What do you do when a bookmaker refuses to pay? If the person referred you to them and refuses to help, and the office refuses to help, what's the next step? Well, you know, this is this is a great question. This is just part of the business. If a bookmaker refuses to pay, um, there's nothing you can do. You can't go to a judge. You can't sue the guy. You can't say, "Hey, judge, you know, Manny from BetXYZ.com refused to pay." Judge will say, what kind of shit is this? You shouldn't be playing with that. They're unregulated. Um, you know, sorry, I can't help you. Um, you know, what I do is if, if someone with me, I usually know the office that's right in the business. I'll call the office. I'll tell the office, listen, can you please have the guy call me? Or, you know, let's try to find something here because, you know, whatever. So it, it's tough. It, it's tough. There's the, this is part of the business. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, Bookmakers, a bookmaker not paying made headlines because it rarely ever happened. In this day and age, everybody can become a bookmaker in the per head era. There's kids that have little to no bankroll. College kids, they can look at me, I'm Mr. Bookmaker. And they run into a brick wall, somebody like me or somebody else, it's going to beat them and they just don't know how to handle it. And they're not honorable. A lot of these kids don't know honor. You know, um, so, and then that's what happens if, the, if you don't know honor. And then these kids, they think, you know, they do it until they get away with it. And then one time, and it's not going to be me, and I'm not saying I'll ever do such a thing, but one time they're going to refuse to pay the wrong guy. And then somebody's going to take a baseball bat and beat him over the head with it. And they're going to say, hey, maybe this business isn't for me. Um, and that's what happens. But, you know, you should have honor in this business. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I always pay everybody because I want to get paid. That's the thing. You know, it's, it's, but when somebody does refuse to pay me, I'm like, well, all right. Uh, I just won't do business with you again. You know, never resort to violence, never threaten anybody, never do any of that. You have to just move on and eat the loss and know that, you know what, do better vetting. Find, you know, find out before you start playing initially if the money's good. Keep the figures small at first. Get a couple of P's and C's. P's and collects under your belt. Test the guy out. This way you don't get hurt too hard. That's just part of the business. Um, and it's, it's, it's more important today than it ever was because there are so many deadbeat bookmakers out there. And it's sad that there's so many deadbeat bookmakers out there because it insults the bookmaking profession and it insults how 
you know, they're used to, the, a bookmaker would always pay their customers, no matter what. My Chris Bruno interview, the guy he was working for, Dana, sold his Jaguar convertible to pay a customer. You think a bookmaker in 2020, 2021, in this day and age, is going to sell their car to pay a customer? You think they have that kind of honor? I highly doubt it. And if they do, I'd love to meet him and shake his hand. And that's it. Those are all the questions. I think I did okay. I haven't done one of these in a while. I appreciate you guys taking the time here. This was very enjoyable. Um, so I want to wish everybody again a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year. And... um I'll definitely be getting some more guys on a podcast next week. Not next week, sorry. Next year in January. I'll be taping a few next week and, and others and stuff. And um, and um, thank you again for all the feedback and the input. I hope I was able to help you guys out with some of this advice that I've given. Um, you know, it's um, a lot of the same questions get asked from my previous podcasts. But I think there was a couple of things new there. It's um, it's tough, you know. Being being doing this as a professional sports better is not the best thing to be in in this day and age. It's not an easy gig. Um, it has its rewards. I still love it. Um, but you know, for somebody just up and coming in this business, it's not easy. You know, so. But if anybody's out there that's trying to build their name and become a pro and get good. I wish you nothing but the best. I hope you succeed. And I hope you um, take this business to the next level and keep our industry alive and well from the better standpoint. It's hard. There's a lot of dressmakers out there that don't want your action. It's hard to find real bookmakers out there. But um, hopefully they show up. And, um, and hopefully you pros out there can find a way to continue making and earn betting sports. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.